Welcome to Beyond Storybrook. I'm Trina. And I'm Addie. And we're here to discuss the season premiere of Once Upon a Time, which aired September 27th, 2015, called The Dark Swan. We want to say thank you so much for tuning back for another season here on Beyond Storybrook. We sure did miss the show. I don't know about you, Trina, but I was really excited to know that Once Upon a Time was back because we see one of our favorite, favorite characters turn to the dark side. Literally, she goes to the dark side. And a lot of questions before the show even started, we left with a lot of questions. Yeah, it was the best cliffhanger, like I mentioned, the last show that I've seen in a season finale. So we're finally here and we get to see what happens now. Yeah. Let's jump right into it. Let's do that because, I mean, I know we can say like a lot of like, we're back and have like this kind of introduction party of us being back from a long break, which come on, like it is, how many months was that? That was a lot. It felt like a long time. Was it like May? Yeah, I think May. See, it's been so long that I can't even remember, (laughs) but I feel like we shouldn't even waste our time or, you know, our audience's time with, you know, we've been back. What did you do? No. Did you rewatch the whole season? Yeah, let's just get into the show. Let's get into it. We've waited so long. Why even procrastinate? I'm going to shut up now. (laughs) (laughs) So let's jump right into our ratings. What did you rate the first uh, episode, Eddie? I rated this episode a 10 out of 10 swan daggers. Ah, I gave it. A 7.75 bow and arrows. And why it's so low, it's only because, yes, I was excited for it to come back, but it was a lot of setup. Chris Tipton, welcome back. Mr. Chris Tipton. Yes, welcome back. (laughs) He gave it an 8.25. There's a decimal there. 8.25 out of 10 onion rings. Nice. And we'll definitely get into Chris's feedback later on in the show. But let's go ahead and dive right in. And I guess the first thing I want to mention is the whole homage to Sword in the Stone, which introduces Camelot. So we have King Arthur, the one who pulls the sword out of the stone, and we kind of get that connection with Camelot and the Enchanted Forest. See, I don't know anything about that story. I have never seen uh, the King Arthur story. You haven't? Nothing pertaining to that storyline. Again, I think that I come upon this at least once in every season. <laughs> they bring in a character I have no uh, reference to. So you don't remember the Disney movie Sword in the Stone, the cartoon? Never King seen Arthur? it. No? Never seen it. But I understand. I get the overall story of what happened mm-hmm. and the meaning of the sword and the rock. You know, the right person's supposed to pull it out. Right. You know, I get that. But tell us more about it. Well, it's just like you said, it's the story of King Arthur before he came king, became king and he was the rightful person to pull the sword out of the stone and rule all of Camelot. Camelot is? Camelot is, well, I guess it's like a kingdom. It's a different realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have the Enchanted Forest and Arendelle and... Now we have Camelot. And now we have Camelot. And all, I think all through last season, they were kind of hinting at Camelot and... King Arthur and whatnot. But the reason why I bring up the sword is because I like the connection they made to the dagger, the yeah. Dark One's dagger. It's it's missing a piece. So the dagger is actually a piece of Excalibur. It's the tip. It's the tip. So the fact that the Dark One's dagger is the tip of Excalibur kind of implies 
that it came from something noble and good. So what does that mean for the dagger or the dark one? It It is controlled by something that is potentially light, made from light, yeah, made from good. So I like the connection of that right there. And I was always wondering like, throughout the scenes, how are they going to ke- connect the story of Camelot to their story? Mm-hmm. When that came up, I was like, ah, good connection. It kind of brings that like fallen angel type of story. I, oh. I feel that way where it's, you know, again, the sword is a has a symbol to something noble, as you said. But then that first part of the <laughs> sword breaks off and it symbolized we have known the dagger as the dark one. It's the one that controls the dark one. It's the one that if you capture the dagger and, and actually execute the dark one with the dagger, you become the dark one, which was what happened to Swan. So that's a that is an interesting connection that they made when I think we both when we saw that scene we're like oh <laughs> yeah and that's a good metaphor I like that metaphor by the way so you know we talk about the dark one and Rumpel so Rumpel right now mm-hmm. is in somewhat of a coma I like how and I just want to mention it real quick how they brought in that rose from yeah, Beauty and the, the Beast, Beast and how that's supposed to be him and every time the petal falls you know he's going to be dying right so I, I like that how they brought that in but Rumpel plays a pretty important role when it comes to Dark Swan. And we see that when she goes back. I believe that's Camelot. And this is something that was going through my mind when I was watching. I was like, wait a minute. Like, why would he still appear as the Dark One when he's in a coma? He's set free from the Dark One. And it was like that, oh, yeah. Everybody, including us, we've only known the Dark One as Rumpel. So mm-hmm. the the way... The way I see it, I don't know about you, um, but I see that Emma has this conscience and, and, and she's being possessed by the Dark One. And the Dark One really doesn't have an image. So the only way her brain or the way she can see the Dark One is in the image of Rumpel, the, the, the body, the embodiment of Rumpel. And then you have Rumpel who's been resting. So I know we really want to talk about you know, Dark Swan, we want to talk about Emma right now. But can we go back to just Rumple? You know, the reason why he's in a coma is because right before he was set free, his heart was just so dark and he he became a very weak person. He was pretty much dying as the Dark One. But he was saved, you know, quote, saved. <laughs> as in somebody took his spot. Right, right, by Emma. Uh, so that... Regina didn't have to become the dark one. That's right. Right. So going on that wavelength, I was shocked to not see Regina more um, feeling guilt. Like I thought she would have like this guilt of, you know, why did she do that? You know, this, this sudden realization that that could have been me the whole time. Yet here she is. And she quickly goes into, let's not dwell on it. Let's just try to save her from it. I think that's what it is, though. There's an urgency there, and she didn't have time to feel that way. I felt like they they wanted to resolve the whole situation, cure her, or what what have you, find Merlin and cure her as quick as possible because she knew the sacrifice that she took. Mm. You know, I think for a split moment she kind of was like, "I don't know why did she do that," but other than that, you're right. There wasn't much dwelling, but I don't know. To me, Regina is like a. Let's just get on with it and do what we need to do and move on. Yeah, the badass that she yeah, is. the badass that she is. <laughs> now, what's funny is that Regina has to go. They have to go to Zelina again for help. The, in order for them to try to find and save Emma and try to help her, 
they need to open up a portal and they were going to use the dagger. But the only way to do that was uh, to have Zelina do it, obviously, because Regina wasn't dark enough to open it. Yeah, she's become so soft. She's become, I think in my eyes, she's actually become a sense of a type of savior in my eyes for what she, the huge change that she's gone through, the sacrifices that she's had to make so far. I think that qualifies her as a form of savior. Um, and, and that just goes to show too that there is an actual change in her because yeah. because something inside of her wouldn't let her open up that portal. They need yeah. somebody bad. So Even know. magic knows that she's changed. Right. So that just goes to show her character development and how she's gone from real evil and making this, you know, we said it all last season, making this path to goodness. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. right there is a perfect example. Even the magic knows she couldn't open up that portal. So how did you feel when you saw her oh, Zelina God. again? Everybody knows I hate Zelina. <laughs> I think everybody on the Facebook group knows I hate Zelina. <laughs> they always have, why is she always the one to be the one to help them? Or like she's the key of some sort. Right, right. But, oh, I just hate her so much. I a Good character. I mean, good acting. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because I hate her so much. Yeah, the but, second you see her, those eyes, those green like, eyes oh. and blonde, wavy hair, you're like. <laughs> What's funny is that Hook and Henry should know better, and they go to Zelina mm. for help, and which ends up freeing her. Because, I mean, put yourself in Hook's shoes. He's really desperate. He's like panicking. Yeah. He's in panic mode right now. Whereas, you know, Regina's like, let's resolve this quickly. And then you have. Um, you have the Charmines like still in the, oh no, what's going to happen next? <laughs> they're and still then, dwelling on it. And right, trying to- <laughs> they're, they're the ones who are dwelling on it. And then you have Hook here desperate because he finally found the love of his life and now it's been taken away from him. And he's just thinking like, no, this kind of like in a, another Regina, just like, let's resolve this right away. My, my true love can totally get this done and over with. And wait a minute, we need to find Regina. Uh, we need Zelina to get this go- going. So, okay, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and see if this works. Yeah, I could, sen- I could see that. I mean, he was so desperate and I just don't like Zelina. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know more to say about that, but it's, she always seems to be one, the one that they, tur- not that they turn to, but the key mm-hmm. for whatever it is they need, which is, Ironic in a sense. Maybe, maybe we'll see a change in her. I don't know. But I think we're, I, I, I want to be done talking about Zelina. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move okay. on. Then. Yeah, we'll move on. So they all end up in, in Camelot, but just in time to uh, kind of save Emma as she was ready to kill Merida. Merida? Mm-hmm. I have trouble saying her name. Merida. I'll just say Merida. The main character from Brave. From Brave, yeah. So we're introduced to this character, and she plays a good uh, role or catalyst in this situation because she's the one where Emma's kind of struggling and testing. Uh, not really testing, but she's getting tested. And all the while you have her conscience, which is Rumple, mm-hmm. whispering in her ear, like, come on, Well, do the it. dark one possessing her. Yeah, the dark one possessing her. So it's not really Rumple, like, you know, the metaphor you right. use, but... Yeah, I like that whole scene and and story mm-hmm. of Rumple being the figure that is symbolic of the dark one trying to possess her, the dark power trying to possess her. And Merida is the catalyst almost like, yeah, come on, use your dark power on me. Go right. ahead and kill me. 
Right. And I, I think that's what's most exciting for me. And this is why I gave this episode a 10 out of 10. You know, besides the costume and the hmm. the image that they give Swan this season, the way they really come out, you got to give it to them. Because sometimes, you know, we've said it a couple times on this show, <laughs> they kind of let us down and they yeah. leave us like, what was that episode all about? Could have done without it. This episode really set up for what is to be expected in the next coming episodes of the season. But we finally get to see and experience what's going on with the Dark One firsthand through Emma. Yeah, Emma's experiencing everything for the first time. And as the viewer, you get to feel that like, oh, well, that's why Rumpel did that. Oh, this is how (laughs) Rumpel got started. And this is what makes Rumpel do this and that. Because we've only known Rumpel as... Dude, you know, he had a bad past. He decided to turn into the Dark One so that he can have the power to overcome his past. But we never really understood, you know, how does the Dark One really work? And just in this first episode, I learned a lot. I don't know about you, but I I found like, oh, that explains a lot. It raises also a couple questions. Is becoming the Dark One a learned trait? You see her trying to struggle and the difference between Emma and Rumpel becoming the Dark One, I think Rumpel sought it out and he wanted it. He seeked out the Dark One because he wanted that power. Emma, on the other hand, did it to save somebody. Yeah. And there's a lot of savior light in her. Mm-hmm. So this dark power consuming her, you get to kind of see it's a, a learned thing almost. Is it a learned thing? And if it is, is her savior light strong enough to kind of fight that off? I think it's about giving in to the darkness, not so much learning it. Um, because uh, let's go back to that scene. There's a scene where the dark one, AKA Rumple image is telling her like, if, well, if you wanted to know something, I think she was asking, yeah. you know, where is my family or where is this? Where's Mer- I think she's looking for Merlin. Yeah, she's, she's like, well, for- ask and you shall see you. And then she, he pretty much said, if, if you want something, think of it. If you want to know where this is at, think of it. If you want to be at, you know, X, Y, Z in a split second, put yourself there. Teleport yourself there. Like, this is the power of it. And she quickly got scared. Like, whoa. But who's to say you can't use that dark power for good? Well, not that it's, I I get it that it's dark power, but it's so strong. And, you know, you see her kind of struggling. Like, why can't she use it for good? I kind of feel like this is kind of, a comparison to drugs sometimes mm-hmm. where we know, you know, drugs come with a price. <laughs> Magic comes with the price, right? So I think like the more you use drugs, the more you get addicted to it. And that's where we see Emma in this episode. She's afraid of what the possibilities. And that's why she fights it so much in this episode. Like, no, I'm not listening to you. I can't even see you. But little things that he introduces to her. It's like, see, don't you want more of this? You can feel the power. Right. And she's starting to feel that urge and that, that growth there that's just ready to capture her. And she's resisting it because again, she has been the savior the whole time. She's had a lot of light, but I think this is, I, I just love this episode because we get to see the struggles right before our eyes. I'm like, hmm, as we're talking about this, can I change my rating? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but it also goes back to uh, like a person. You could either be good or bad. It's up to you. Yeah. I know that. I That was one of our simple. arguments that, as last season. Yeah, yeah, last season. And it comes down to that. You, She is the savior who became the dark one. 
you would think that the savior light would be much stronger than the dark light. But I guess that's what the season's for, to see that. See the dark consuming her. Or can, not consuming Or not consuming her, you know? <laughs> I mean, okay, so going on that, do you think... What's your prediction? Let's just put it that way. Huh. What's your prediction on how long they're going to pull this story out that Emma is the dark one? Is it a whole season thing? Or is it oh, the like halfway mark? Halfway <laughs> mark and then the sudden real, like some type of magical thing happens in the middle and then we're introduced to a new character like they've always done. Uh, you know, it's hard to say. This, I mean, if you look at the past, it would, it would, I would think it would cut off at the halfway point and it'll be a new story. A new story arc. But what I'm interested to see is how are they going to get rid of this dark one? You know, we know they need Merlin. Mm-hmm. So they're they're on the quest to find him. Right. That's the storyline that we're introduced to. Besides yeah. like, hey, here's Emma. You finally get to see how she is as the dark one. Uh, we get an introduction to who she is. We're also introduced into the storyline of how do, how do they resolve a problem they've all been dealing with for decades, for years and generations? They've never, I mean, I think with, with Rumpel, they just wanted to get rid of the yeah, Dark One. They, they wanted to kill him. Right. This time. They're trying to find the key to release the Dark One yeah. from anybody because now it's affecting their loved one, a.k.a. Emma Swan. So isn't that the interesting, savior. like, how it, it's changed? I love how ironic that is. Yeah. Though, you know, <laughs> all, all in past, everybody's scared of the Dark One. They just leave the Dark One alone. They want to try to get rid of the Dark One because they're evil. And this time, it's kind of flipped, like you said. They it's want about to try to solving and curing the person who has the dark one, relieving them from that darkness. One last thought in regards to Emma and the dark one. I got a couple hints in this episode as, yeah, maybe she's going to find ways to use the darkness or power that will help get her and her loved ones to to a better better start, just save them from other horrible things using the dark power in her favor and her advantage to get what she wants for the better, not so much for the worst. Maybe she's, it's kind of like when I was in school for music, one of the fears that you have in music is like, well, if I learn all the, if I learn all the rules to music and and the theories that you have in music, Mm -hmm. it's going to change the way I want to compose music. And then I remember a professor saying, well, it's about learning the theories and the rules of music so that you can break them properly. So I kind of, you know, put that in with Emma. She's going to try to learn the darkness and the roles that she, the powers that she does have so, so that she could turn it against her. And then again, so maybe she does become, this is a prediction. I'm yeah, I know, I was going to say, this, here's your theory. <laughs> My theory is one of them. Going back to who Emma truly is, she wants to be the savior. She, that's kind of a part of who she is is to save everybody. And she's fought it for so long. And then the last season, she kind of gave in to the thought like, okay, I am here to save my family. I have a mission here. I love them. I'm giving in. She gives in. She becomes the dark one. That was a form of sacrifice. Now, the second degree of sacrifice is that she uses that power to relieve herself from the dark one, even at the cost of her own life. Like, I just, I'm predicting (laughs) And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> no, there has to be another way. But that's a prediction. Again, staying true to the name of Emma being the savior. That's another degree. That. Maybe. That could happen. And then, of course, she comes back to life. I'm just 
One thing I did like about this episode is that Emma gives the dagger that controls her to Regina. Mm, yeah. Do you think Regina would kill her if necessary? Because she gave it to her saying, you know what to do with it. And if necessary, pretty much you can kill me. I think Regina is very smart. And I think she, who better to give it to because. Oh yeah, that, she's last, the best person to give it to. Yeah. Last season we saw the Charmings fall. You know, they use their feelings in the wrong way. <laughs> right. And um, you you would, you see that also Hook has been put in situations and has chosen the wrong, has made wrong choices because of his, his situation that he was dealing with. Um, so he has also, we've also seen that he is not the, one of the best mm-hmm. people to put that power in. Um, and then you have, you have Belle who's kind of weak. <laughs> when it comes to the dagger, she gets easily tricked. So I think no, there's nobody better than Regina to take the dagger. She has a level head. Yes, she can get a little hot-headed sometimes, but I think because of where she comes from, she will fully understand the situations that Swan, Emma Swan will start going through. Yeah, I agree. She's definitely the perfect person to give it to. And I like that she does give it to her because she's the one who sac- Emma's the one who sacrificed herself for her. Yeah. So it's like, here is the dagger. Now you get my back. I had yours. Yeah. And then we flash forward at the end and we see that Emma has officially turned. And it's six weeks later and everybody's, everybody's back in Storybook. And again, their memories are erased. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many times they're going to do that storyline. But when I saw that, I'm like, again? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like every time they go to the Enchanted Forest or to a different realm and they come back, their memories are erased because of some curse that somebody put on them. Yeah, why can't, why do the creators keep doing that? <laughs> why can't they just say, oh yeah, this event happened, but suddenly they're back in Storybrooke. Let's resolve the situation. Like they always and have to erase know. their yeah. memory. And um, it's interesting. It would be interesting to find out like why, Are their memories erased? What happened? I think they keep doing that too because it puts us in that journey of like, what? How did that happen? (laughs) Reset button. The reset thing. And you go on that journey with them and learn, ah, that's what happened. Right. But man, they've done that so many times. (laughs) (laughs) It It is comical now. All right. Are you ready for some feedback? Yeah, let's do it. First feedback is from Chris Tipton. Hey, y'all. It's good to be back. This was a great episode. I didn't like it as much as last year's premiere, but still good. Before my top five, I have one gripe. I grow tired of all the retconning they do with Emma. You mean to tell me all this time she never said anything about a mysterious man telling her she would have the opportunity to remove Excalibur? Doubtful. But enough negativity. My top five. Number five. The storybook gang, as I'm calling them, I'm so glad they finally gave more information about the wand that the apprentice used to imprison the author. Although I do question why it was crafted with light and dark. That's a good point. I forgot that they, that he, he mentioned that in the beginning. Oh, that's right. And and they really don't touch on it, but that's something to probably consider later on. You know they always bring something back. I know, they do. All right, so Chris continues. Maybe Merlin isn't as benevolent as we'd like to think. I'm sad to see The Apprentice go. Timothy Weber is amazing, and I hope to see him again in flashback. That's probably going to happen. <laughs> Especially if they're bringing Merlin in, they got to bring him in. Right. I can't believe they needed Zelina to show them how the portal worked. 
They should know this. Hook's reaction to Henry breaking the quill was probably my favorite part of the episode. He literally facepalmed. <laughs> <laughs> Zelina is playing a much bigger role than I expected, which I'm glad of. Rebecca Mater is amazing. It was hilarious that they call out their own continuity continuity error with Robin realizing Regina was Zelina, but not realizing it was Marion. I don't understand it at all. That was funny. Number four, the rose from Beauty and the Beast. So many feels. I agree. I love that part. Yeah. All right. Number three, Camelot. I love the reveal that the dagger was made from Excalibur. I can't wait to learn more about Camelot. Having Lancelot back is nice. Number two, Merida. I think they did such a good job with Merida, and the actress playing her did phenomenal. Although, I feel her hair should be bigger. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I actually, I mean, because, <laughs> you know, true. in the cartoon, it flows everywhere. <laughs> it, it was huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> her and Emma play really well off each other. That, well, I agree with. I mean, we kind of discussed that already. They do play well. I mean, she was kind of the catalyst of her struggle. Mm-hmm. I think she will be a great asset to the show, and I hope she sticks around for a long time. Yeah, I don't think that's the last time we'll see of her. And number one, seeing Emma come out of the Dark One pit was so amazing, and having her Dark One rumple as her dark Darth Sidious is so much fun. And I love that they did it in this way. It's a relief that Emma was trying to fight the darkness, true to her character in my opinion. The reunion between Emma and the Storybrooke gang was awesome. So glad they talked Emma out of killing Merida. Emma giving Regina the dagger was tearworthy. I love where the relationship has come. Definitely agree there. <laughs> the ending was a downer. I'm disappointed that they are treading the same story with lost time and memories. Dark One Emma looks great, though. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Again, thank you, Chris. Top five. We always love it. Yeah, thank you. All right, the next feedback is from Faith McQuinn. I have a more in-depth review after I let it set in a little bit, but here are some points that stuck out for me. I'm pretty sure Charming said two lines, just two. Please, 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 writers, give him more to do. (laughs) That is true. He didn't say much in that episode. I need Zelina to run away and stay away. I still can't stand her. I agree completely, Faith. I definitely agree. As, although she's a great actress, I cannot stand her just like you. <laughs> going, going on. Regina is my favorite character on this show. Lana Perea is always on point. Everything about her worked in this episode for me, especially how she tricked Zelina. <laughs> evil laugh. I can't do an evil laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Faith goes on. I don't know how I feel about everyone losing their memory again. Yeah, I think everybody's on the same page with that. Yeah. And I love seeing Merida. I hope her story intertwines really well over the course of the season. Yeah, that would be a I would that would be interesting to see how they fit her and throughout the season, mm-hmm. especially with the Camelot storyline. Yeah. And that was it from uh Faith. I agree with Faith. I, I really love Lana Perea. And here she is. I think she's taking a different role this season. Give I, I feel like you can throw her any character. And she can own it. Oh, yeah. 180. Just I mean, boom. Flip yeah. a switch. And she's that character. But we've seen her in her past where yeah. she was vulnerable. And then when she was evil. And yeah. now she's good. Yeah. I so, hope to meet her one day. Oh, I would love to meet her one day. We just have to go to that. All those cons. Those, those cons and expos that they have here locally. Find her at Disneyland. I wish. <laughs> and last but not least, we have feedback from Eliana Harris. 
Here we go. Perfection. Jennifer Morrison was bloody amazing as the dark swan at the end. Just wow. I felt her icy presence. The way she turned over so quickly to Sneezy and asked, who are you? And then turned him to stone. That was excellent. Overall, what a beautiful episode. I want more. Yeah. yeah. So do I. I agree that um, Jennifer Morrison, along with Lana Perry, had amazing job. I feel like her acting wasn't moving uh, so much in the first, I think, like, season two, some of season three. And then last at the last part of season, last part of season four, right? We really saw a different character come out of this actress and she is owning what's yeah. going on now. I love it too. And I can't wait to see more. And I always, I always like the kind of villainous characters, especially when they go back and forth, like Regina, like Regina, she goes back and forth. Like you can see the good side and the bad side. So we have, you know, Jennifer Morrison, who plays the savior, constantly good, constantly doing the right thing. And now she gets to have a little bit of fun and play, play, play a little bad. I hope they enjoy it as much as we enjoy watching it. I hope so. I mean, they get to put on the costumes. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So Eliana goes on. The opening scene is intriguing. I do love how they show the animated sword and stone. Love that movie. That's right. That's, I forgot about that part. At the beginning of the movie in the theater, or I'm sorry, in the beginning of the show in the theater, they showed the animated version of oh, Sword in the Stone. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. When I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So that's a good, that's what I meant by good homage to it. They they played in the beginning. And Eliana goes on. Very cool twist. The Dark One's dagger is the extension of Excalibur. I never thought of that. Wow, so cool. That's maybe why Merlin might have said, don't take out the sword from the stone. Mm. Interesting. I adored Merida. Amy Manson has done utter justice to her. Her accent is gorgeous, and it's her real one, which makes it even better. Oh, that's her real accent. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. I was like, wow, that's a good, uh, If I didn't know she had an accent now that I know. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe King Fergus has passed. I really loved him on Brave. Her poor wee brothers. I hope they're as, a, as adorable as they were on the movie. <laughs> Love the nod to the movie about her mother being a bear. (laughs) I love Merida's mannerisms and her quick, snappy dialogue. Very reminiscent of that from the movie. I don't I haven't seen that movie fully yet. Maybe I should watch it. Brave? Yeah. It's a good movie. I also like how she thanked Emma for showing her the darkness that was meaningful because we all have darkness. Ah, that's a good point. I forgot about that part too. I like that, that little scene as well. Yeah. Loved how they incorporated the Will O' the Wisp into the storyline. I'm very pleased with that. Loved all the Wizard of Oz references. I adore that movie. Love that the tornado took away grannies. That's right. (laughs) Regina and Hook both had quite funny lines. Emma in the Enchanted Forest was great. I really saw her struggle with the darkness in the way she moved her eyes. Truly expressive. I understand why Hook was so adamant about wanting to save Emma. I'm glad it all worked out. I'm also very happy... Everyone, for once, is coming along. They finally addressed that. No more sidelining of characters, hopefully. Yeah, they kind of did highlight everybody. I think everybody's joining forces to say them is what it is. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Well, I think the Charmings were kind of quiet. Yeah, but they were all equally. Yeah, that's yeah, true. They were all kind of equally in it. Yeah. All right, Eliana goes on. I am a major Beauty and the Beast fan of the Disney animated classic. It's a major part of my childhood, and the way the rose jar was utilized really pleased me. Yeah, I think everybody loved that part too, huh? 
Zelina was wicked. She and her sister do have something in common, wanting love. She now has a son, and I think that's going to make her happy. So hopefully they can work out their problems, or maybe she can go somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. There's a <laughs> land that I've heard of once in a lullaby. <laughs> if I could sing, I probably would sing that, but I cannot sing. So <laughs> That's a good one. So thank you, Eliana. Thank you to everybody, uh, as always, putting their feedback on the storybook page and for sending it in via email as well. And now it's time, and I know this is kind of weird to put in the first episode of the season. What do you think it's a game changer, Trina? Ah, game changer. Like, I know people can say, well, the game changer obviously is Miss Swan, Emma Miss Swan. Um, but is there something beyond that that is a game changer? I, can, I know what mine is, but I, I would like to know what yours is. Uh, I'm going to have to say maybe the game changer is Regina and her having the dagger. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Only because she's in full control. Yeah, I think that would have to be it. You know, she's the most sensible one to have it. Uh, if she gave it to anybody else, they'd probably use it incorrectly. So I think the game changer is her keeping it because it, well, it shows her changed character. It shows Emma and Regina's relationship. I don't know. We'll see what happens with that dagger in, in, in Regina's possessions. Yeah. I think the game changer to me is, again, what I really love so much about this episode is we get to see the other side of the dark side. We get to experience it firsthand through Emma. I think that's a game changer in itself. Whereas as a viewer, we have always just been the accepting of receiving end of what the dark side does. What do they do as the evil person you know, a.k.a. Rumple, he's now in a coma resting. We're not going to see a lot of that character for a good while, I think. I'm not sure how long they, they tend to keep him in that coma. I, I have a feeling for a good while. I don't know. But we see Rumple as... Yeah, but it's not Rumple. It's not really Rumple. That's just the dark one. So I think, to me, that's the game changer. As a viewer, you get to see the inside of what it is to be the dark one the challenges and the thoughts that you're going through, the dark one really consuming a human. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, a game changer. That is a good game changer. I thought, an, I thought of another one. Okay. <laughs> I could do too. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I think another game changer is that the dagger is part of Excalibur. Mm, okay. There's that, more to that There's story. more to that and we have yet to see. So. Yeah. Okay, so before we officially wrap up this first episode of season five... I want to know how do you feel about the overall story so far? Do you do you like the direction so far? Do you think that it's just a story that they're trying to pull together so that the show continues? What no, is your feeling? I, what are your I love it. I, I love it. I like the story. Uh, I think Faith may, may have mentioned it. Uh, it's kind of a, a slow start, but it's a setup. And I love all the little connections they're making. And it kind of sets up the whole season as to what it's about. So I definitely love where they're going with this season. I think to me, I almost want to say this is probably my, my favorite opening or setup for the season. I have to agree. I feel like the last season was really good. Don't get me wrong. And there was a couple other questionable seasons that they felt like, okay, they, they got through that one kind <laughs> of, I feel like the creators and the writers and even the actors, are really pulling the show like for the win on this season. I, I just feel it in the storyline, how it's how it's being written. 
everything from the acting, the writing, the costumes. Uh, technology is not as bad. I don't know. I didn't see it in this uh, in this uh, first yeah. episode, but I I'm really loving the direction of the entire story of Once Upon a Time. I have to say, just thank you, thank you for putting that this story. You know, putting a what are those things called when they want to revive you in the hospital? Uh, resuscitate. Recess, what are they called? I don't know what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> Resuscitating <laughs> thing. I forgot what they're called. I just feel like they put bolts of energy back yeah. into the show. And that came, that this episode alone, I would have, if, if it was available for binge watching, I would probably been binge watched a couple episodes. Yeah. Well, we're all on this journey together and we can't wait to see what happens this season. Yeah. All right. So that about wraps it up. Yeah, thank you again for listening and thank you for everybody posting on the Facebook page. If you want to join the community, if you're not in there already, you need to be in there. Just go to beyondstorybrook.com, all the links to the show notes, everything that we've mentioned, social media is on there. We are on Twitter, so we highly recommend that if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, interact there. We, we're all for it, but it seems like the hot spot in the Storybrook Beyond Storybrook location is on Facebook so go ahead and join us there thank you 